Welcome back. Today we are reading chapter 28, Kapalamuni's Instructions on the Execution of Devotional Service. Lord Vishnu said, My dear mother, daughter of the king, now I shall explain to you the system of yoga, the object of which is to concentrate the mind. By practicing this system, one can become joyful and progressively advance towards the path of absolute truth. One should execute his prescribed duties to the best of his ability and avoid performing duties not allotted to him. One should be satisfied with as much gain as he achieves by the grace of the Lord, and one should worship the Lord's feet of a spiritual master. One should cease performing conventional religious practices and should be attracted to those which lead to salvation. One should eat very frugally and should always remain secluded so that he can achieve the highest perfection of life. One should practice non-violence and truthfulness, should avoid thieving, and be satisfied with possessing as much as he needs for his maintenance. He should abstain from sex life, perform austerity, be clean, study the Vedas, and worship the supreme form of the supreme personality of Godhead. One must observe silence, acquire steadiness by practicing different yogic postures, control the breathing in the vital air, withdraw the senses from sense objects, and thus concentrate the mind on the heart. Fixing the vital air in the mind in one of the six circles of vital air circulation within the body, thus concentrating one's mind on the transcendental pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is called Samadhi of the mind. By these processes, or any other true process, one must control the contaminated, unbridled mind, which is always attracted by material enjoyment, and thus fix himself in thought of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. After controlling one's mind, sitting postures, one should spread a seat in a secluded and sanctified place, sit there in an easy posture, keeping the body erect, and practice breath control. The yogi should clear the passage of vital air by breathing in the following manner. First he should inhale very deeply, then hold the breath in, and finally exhale. Or reversing the process, the yogi can first exhale, then hold the breath outside, and finally inhale. This is done so that the mind may become steady and free from external disturbances. The yogis who practice such breathing exercises are soon freed from all mental disturbances, just as gold, when put into fire and fanned with air, becomes free from all impurities. By practicing the process of pranayamana, one can eradicate the contamination of his psychological condition, and by concentrating the mind, one can become free from all sinful activities. By Restraining the senses, one can free himself from material association, and by meditating on the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one can become free from the three modes of material attachment. When the mind is perfectly purified by the practice of yoga, one should concentrate on the tip of the nose with the half-closed eyes and see the form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Lord has a cheerful, lotus-like countenance, with ruddy eyes like the interior of a lotus, and his swarthy body like petals of a blue lotus. He bears a conch, discus, and mace in three of his hands. His loins are covered by a shining cloth, yellowish like the filaments of a lotus. On his breast he bears the mark of the Srivatsa, a curl of white hair. The brilliant Kastuba gem is suspended from his neck. He also wears around his neck a garland of attractive sylvan flowers and a swarm of bees, intoxicated by its delicious fragrance, hums about the garland. He is further superbly adorned with a pearl necklace, a crown, and pair of armlets, bracelets, and anklets. His loins and hips encircled by a girdle. He stands in the lotus of his devotee's heart. 
He is most charming to look at, and his serene aspect gladdens the eyes and souls of the devotees who behold him. The Lord is eternally very beautiful, and he is worshipable by all the inhabitants of every planet. He is ever youthful and always eager to bestow his blessing upon his devotees. The glory of the Lord is always worth singing, for his glories enhance the glories of his devotees. One should therefore meditate upon the Lord and upon his devotees. One should meditate on the eternal form of the Lord until the mind becomes fixed. Thus always merged in devotional service, the yogi visualizes the Lord standing, moving, lying down, or sitting with him, for the pastimes of the Lord are always beautiful and attractive. In fixing his mind on the eternal form of the Lord, the yogi should not take a collective view of all his limbs, but should fix the mind on each individual limb of the Lord. The devotee, the devotee excuse me, should first concentrate his mind on the Lord's lotus feet, which are adorned with the marks of a thunderbolt, a goad, a banner, and a lotus. The splendor of their beautiful ruby nails resembles the orb of the moon and dispels the thick gloom of one's heart. The blessed Lord Shiva becomes all more blessed by hearing, sorry, by bearing on his head the holy waters of the Ganges, which has its source in the water that washed the Lord's lotus feet. The Lord's feet act like thunderbolts, hurled to shatter the mountain of sin, stored in the mind of the meditating devotee. One should therefore meditate on the lotus feet of the Lord for a long time. The yogi should fix in his heart the activities of Lakshmi, the goddess of fortune who is worshipped by all demigods and is the mother of the supreme person, Brahma. She can always be found massaging the legs and thighs of the transcendental lord, very carefully serving him in this way. Next, the yogi should fix his mind in meditation on those thighs, the storehouse of all energy. The lord's thighs are whitish-blue like the luster of the linseed oil and appear most graceful when the lord is carried on the shoulders of Garuda. Also, the yogi should contemplate his rounded hips, which are encircled by a girdle that rests on the exquisite yellow silk cloth that extends down to his ankles. The yogi should then meditate on his moon-like navel in the center of his abdomen. From his navel, which is the foundation of the universe, sprang the lotus stem containing all the different planetary systems. The lotus is the residence of Brahma, the first created being. In the same way, the yogi should concentrate the mind on the Lord's nipples, which resemble a pair of most exquisite emeralds, and which appear whitish because of the rays of the milk-white pearl necklaces adorning his chest. The yogi should then meditate on the chest of the Supreme Lord, the abode of the goddess Mahalakshmi. The Lord's chest is the source of all transcendental pleasure for the mind and full satisfaction for the eyes. The yogi should then imprint on his mind the neck of Lord Vishnu, who is adored by the entire universe. The neck of the Lord serves to enhance the beauty of the Kastuba gem which hangs on his chest. The yogi should further meditate upon the Lord's forearms, which are the source of all the powers of the demigods who control the various functions of material nature. Then the yogi should concentrate on the polished ornaments, which were burnished by Mount Mandara as it revolved. He should also duly contemplate the Lord's discus, the Sudarshana Kakra, which contains 1,000 spokes and a dazzling luster, as well as the conch, which looks like a lotus in his lotus-like palm. Excuse me, which looks like a swan in his lotus-like palm. The yogi should meditate upon his club, which is named Kamodaki and is very dear to him. 
this club smashes the demons who are always inimical soldiers and is smeared with their blood. One should also concentrate on the nice garland on the neck of the Lord, which is always surrounded by bumblebees with their nice buzzing sound. And one should meditate upon the pearl necklace on the Lord's neck, which is considered to represent the pure living entities who are always engaged in his service. The yogi should then meditate on the lotus-like countenance of the Lord, who presents his different forms in this world out of compassion for the anxious devotees. His nose is prominent. His crystal clear cheeks are illuminated by the oscillation of his glittering alligator-shaped earrings. Then the yogi meditates upon the beautiful face of the Lord, which is adorned with, adorned with curly hair and decorated by lotus-like eyes and dancing eyebrows. A lotus surrounded by swarming bees and a pair of swimming fish would be put to shame by its elegance. The yogis should then contemplate with full devotion the compassionate glances frequently cast by the Lord's eyes, for they soothe the most fearful threefold agonies of his devotees. His glances, accompanied by loving smiles, are full of abundant grace. A yogi should similarly meditate on the most benevolent smile of Lord Sri Hari, a smile which, for all those who bow to him, dries away the ocean of tears caused by intense grief. The yogi should also meditate on the Lord's arched eyebrows, which are manifested by his eternal potency in order to charm the sex god for the good of the sages. With devotion steeped in love and affection, the yogi should meditate within the core of his heart upon the laughter of Lord Vishnu. The laughter of Lord Vishnu is so captivating that it can be easily meditated upon. When the Supreme Lord is laughing, one can see his small teeth, which resemble jasmine buds rendered rosy by the splendor of his lips. Once devoting his mind to this, the yogi should no longer desire to see anything else. By following this course, the yogi gradually develops pure love for the Lord, Harry. In the course of his progress in devotional service, the hairs of his body stand erect through excessive joy, and he is constantly bathed in a stream of tears occasioned by intense love. Gradually, even the mind, which he used as a means to attract the Lord, as one attracts a fish to a hook, withdraws from material activity. When the mind is thus completely freed from all material contamination and detached from material objectives, it is just like the flame of a lamp. At that time, the mind is actually dovetailed with that of the Supreme Lord and is experienced as one with him because it is freed from the interactive flow of the material qualities. Thus situated in the highest transcendental stage, the mind ceases from all material reaction and becomes situated in its own glory, transcendental to all material conceptions of happiness and distress. At that time, the yogi realizes the truth of his relationship with the Lord. He discovers that pleasure and pain, as well as their interactions, which he attributed to his own self, are actually due to false ego, which is a product of ignorance, because he has achieved the real identity and the perfectly realized soul has no conception of how the material body is moving or acting, just as an intoxicated person cannot understand whether or not he has on any clothing on his body. The body of such a liberated yogi, along with the senses, is taken charge of by the Lord, and it functions until its destined activities are finished. The liberated devotee, being awake to his constitutional position and thus situated in samadhi, the highest perfectional seja yoga does not accept the byproducts of the material body as his own. Thus he considers his bodily activities to be like the activities of a body in a dream. 
Because of great affection for family and wealth, one accepts a son and some money as his own. And due to affection for the material body, one thinks that it is his own. But actually, as one can understand, that his father, family and wealth are different from him, the liberated soul can understand that he and his body are not the same. The blazing fire is different from the flames, from the sparks and from the smoke, although all are intimately connected because they are born from the same blazing wood. The Lord, who is known as Paramam Brahma, is the seer. He is different from the Jiva soul or the individual living entity who is combined with the senses, the five elements, and consciousness. A yogi should see the same soul in all manifestations, for all that exists is a manifestation of different energies of the Supreme. In this way, the devotee should see all living entities without distinction. That is the realization of the Supreme Soul. A fire is exhibited in different forms of wood, so under different conditions of the modes of material nature, the pure spirit soul manifests itself in different bodies. Thus, the yogi can be in the self-realized position after conquering the insurmountable spell of Maya, who presents herself as both the cause and effect of this material manifestation and is therefore very difficult to understand. Thus ends chapter 28. Well, that was a lot. I didn't even know if we would get through the whole thing. Um, that was the meditation chapter. Let's let's be honest. That was basically your guide to meditating. I was a little worried at first because as it was talking about yogas, uh, sorry, yogis and doing yoga, I was like, oh, oh God, are we going to be discussing the forms of whatever? which was bringing this thought to my mind because Swami Prabhupada has actually said not to do yoga. Actually, it's in the Bhagavad Gita as it is. Don't do that yoga. Or if you do, you be careful which teacher you follow. But it was really interesting because this didn't go there. It didn't put emphasis on that. Basically, it puts emphasis on what comes after. So, the meditation. Sort of like, I feel like you can do the yoga to kind of get your body in focused in focus but then that's not the point it's the point is then to go the next step that's what this chapter was telling you very very detailed very detailed treatise on how to meditate on the Lord and and where you go afterwards so much detail so much detail but it's all there there you go that that, that. what more do you need <laughs> um, I'm prob probably there is more Feel free to put down in the comments. Um, please excuse me. Normally I don't cut videos when I'm reading the Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, other videos I do sometimes, but on these I don't. But there was a siren going by, so that's just totally annoying. <laughs> Anyways, thoughts, comments, all that stuff down below. Thank you for joining me. Sorry about sometimes I mess up on a word, but this is not a book on tape or anything. This is just learning about the Lord and praising the Lord and... Um, I don't know if this would be called jhana yoga or not, but whatever. Anyways, look forward to your comments. Um, like, share, do whatever. And most of all, thank you for watching. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare.